Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. And God, we do rejoice, Lord, in the fact that we are here and you are here, God. We feel your presence already. Your spirit is moving. And Lord, now speak to us through your word, God. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and that, God, we would be attentive to the message you have for us. And I know you have a word for each one of us this morning. So, God, we ask for your anointing. We are attentive. We ask for you to speak, God. And we thank you and we we rejoice today that you've made this day for us to come and seek you in your word right now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Talk about a bad day. I read about this Oregon man who within two hours was fired from his job. Uh, His house burned down and he lost everything he owned. Victor Gonzalez was unexpectedly called back into work only to find out, they told him when he got there, that he was let go. And then when he came home, he found that his roof was on fire. Firefighters put out the fire, but everything was soaked with water. And what the fire didn't burn, the water ruined, and he ended up losing everything. Crazy thing is that Gonzalez, actually his job, well, I guess was, or his career or job is, he works as a social worker helping people handle emergencies like fires And like being fired. (laughs) So that's why I believe he said in this article, quoted him saying, you can choose to laugh or you can choose to cry. I'm choosing to laugh because I don't want to know what's going to happen if I cry. (laughs) Poor guy, but I know what that feels like, right? You have a bad day, you're overwhelmed with things. and, And I know for me, only by the grace of God, I can even hold it together and 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 that's what uh is so uh great about our lord that his grace is there for us and we have hope in him no matter what troubles will come into our lives well today we set out on a new study through the book of first peter and it's in this in this book that we're starting out that we find grace and hope for troubling times. So that's the title of our, our message this morning, Grace and Hope for Troubling Times. We're going to be studying First Peter beginning with chapter 1, and today we're only going to look at the first two verses. We're going to be studying the first two verses, verses 1 and 2 this morning. So we're going to get a start into this book. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for doing First Peter and also Second Peter. And and you know, it's the study of God's word that is so important. And, and I believe God really wants to speak to us through this word. So our title is Grace and Hope for Troubling Times, 1 Peter 1 and 2 of chapter 1. And we're going to see three things here in this introduction, basically. Uh, number one is the author. Number two is the addressees. And number three, the apostles' So that's our outline for this morning and what we're going to be looking at in these two verses. Well, let's begin here. Grace and hope for troubling times. Let's look at number one in our outline, the author, the author. So we, here in this section, we're going to be looking at uh, verse one, just the first part only. So if you're taking 
uh, notes here, you could put verse 1a. Let's take a look here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now we, we're going to stop right there. We begin here with who the author is. That's our heading here. This book is actually a letter. Above it and on my Bible it says the first letter of Peter. And then it says First Peter. Or maybe uh, you, you have a different translation that says the, the epistle of Peter. That's an old word for letter. So actually this book and really all the books in the Bible are like letters. And so this is a letter that is written in the ancient style where the writer's name, the author, is mentioned first. So the writer will introduce himself basically, hey, I'm the writer, and that was the ancient style, which we're, we're pretty much used to today because that's how we see our emails or our text messages on the phone, right? You see who it's from, and then you could read what the, the note is about or the text is about. So in a similar way, we begin here, and we see that Peter is the author. Now, Peter, Peter is is one of the disciples of Jesus, you remember. He is one of the closest disciples of Jesus, along with James and John. They are the, the three close ones, the more intimate ones of Jesus. And, and, and Peter also was one of the earliest disciples that came to follow Jesus, who was called to follow Jesus. So he's been with Jesus a, a long time, almost from the beginning here. So, and, and we know about Peter now, after declaring that Jesus is God the Son in Matthew 16, Jesus actually changed, right, Peter's name. His, his original name was Simon. Sometimes you read Simon Peter, but he changed it from Simon to Peter. And Peter means rock because of that revelation, because of what Peter had, had said about who Jesus Christ was. So, so his name became Peter. He was known as Peter, and it means rock few times in the Bible, you'll see Peter also referred to as Cephas. And if you're wondering, well, what is that? How does that turn into Peter? Well, Cephas is the Aramaic uh, word for Peter. So uh, that's his name in Aramaic, which was the common language back then. But we know him as Peter. He, he is one of Jesus's disciples. So here's Peter, one of the 12. He's a disciple. He's the author of this letter and he goes on to identify himself. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's an apostle that Jesus Christ sent out. That's the idea. The word apostle in the Bible actually means sent out one. So he was commissioned by Jesus he was he, to be a messenger for Jesus. And that's an apostle. We know technically an apostle is someone who has been personally called by Jesus. And so Peter was. He was personally called, feed my sheep, remember after Jesus was resurrected. He called the disciples you know, by name, one by one, to come and be the disciples. And then later he, he, he would train them, and later they would become the apostles. So technically, an apostle is someone who has been personally called by Jesus. And there's a second qualification, and that is an apostle 
has physically seen and heard Jesus Christ. And obviously many of the apostles that we know in the early church, they were the ones who spent time with Jesus, heard his teaching, was trained by him. And these disciples, as I mentioned, became apostles. And so Peter was one of them. So he is an official apostle of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about Paul who wrote Uh, much of the New Testament too. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul, remember he got saved on the Damascus Road. Jesus personally appeared to him, personally called him, Acts 26, 16, Paul testifies, and called him to be an apostle. And so Paul personally was called by Jesus, and he's physically, he saw Jesus, he heard Jesus. Those years in the desert, he was probably taught by Jesus. And other than that, during the time of Jesus' ministry on earth, he, he was actually an, a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee, probably seeing Jesus and hearing Jesus too. So in that sense, we see Peter saying, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. And understand this about apostles, right? The apostles were specially called by Jesus to what? To carry on the work after Jesus died, rose again, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. Who was to carry on in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, it was the apostles. They were the first ones called, and they were called to establish and set up the early church. They were to to give the word of God, which we have in our Bible. They were the ones speaking the word of God, writing these letters, writing these books, and this became the word of God for us today contained in our Bible. We know that God was with the apostles, with these writers, that the Spirit used them to bring us the Word of God to establish the early church. We're going to see later in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so this is... All this, I want to really put into your minds as we begin this, this book, as Peter says, starts out writing, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, what we find here at the, at the very start, in this very uh, words of the beginning of this book, is that Peter, as an official messenger of Jesus, Peter writes this letter to communicate God's word. And that's really the point I want to make to you guys. And I'll say it again. As an official messenger of Jesus, Peter writes this letter to communicate God's word. And I want to set that in your minds as we begin. Because here's Peter, right? One of the closest disciples. Here's Peter, really. He's considered the leader of the apostles even too. And, and here he's writing this now. And so as a messenger from God, he writes to communicate now God's words, God's message to us. You know, I was remembering back, do you remember back when the whole COVID pandemic started? And, and um, gosh, I remember it was like January, February or in, into March. And I remember the president, you know, came on TV and uh, came on for a briefing of what's going on. This was all new. 
you know, and, and, and when he came on to make his official briefing and, and, and a special briefing, you know, it interrupted all the, the programs on TV and it was announced that the president's going to speak. And I remember like pushing everything aside, right? Because I want to know what's going on. What is he going to say? Yeah. Anytime, you know, there's a special briefing from the president or the government. I mean, we're like, okay, what's going on? And we put all of our attention upon that. And, and, and I remember just pushing everything aside to watch that broadcast. Well, think about this. Think about it this way. Listen, this is Peter yeah. writing this. And I was thinking, well, Peter, he, he's, he's, he's been with Jesus a long time. Peter, he's like the leader of the apostles. He's one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He sends this letter. He's writing this. And you know, it comes all the way through the centuries to us today. And so as we begin here, understand this is Peter, yeah, the apostle of Jesus. This is the Peter we've studied and read about in the Gospels. This is him, you know. It's like he's writing this letter. He's making this briefing. He's doing a special broadcast. And we should be putting all our attention upon what he's saying to us. So I'm asking you today, as we begin this study of this book, that you would make a commitment. Now, we're not going to study the whole book in one sitting. We're going to take weeks and probably months or so to get through this. You know how I teach and I, I kind of go more detailed. But... I want you to make a commitment to study this book with me, to study the Word of God. I mean, this is what we're about. This is what our church is about. We're about studying and getting into the Word of God because this is the primary way God communicates to us. I mean, He has the Holy Spirit, all of that. But black and white here, we have the truths and principles of God and who He is, who we are. And so it's so important that as God has given us our Bibles, His Word, that we need to understand what it is and study it. So I'm asking you to make a commitment to study 1 Peter with me. So will you set aside every Sunday morning to do that? Will you online connect every Sunday morning to make sure that, that we are getting this message from the Lord that God gave Peter to send to us to send to us, even after all these centuries, this message is for us today where we live and what's going on in our life. It's so important that we do that. I know it can be tempting, yeah, beautiful day, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, no, maybe I'll just catch them later, you know. It, it, it's, in a way, it's, it's not good for us to stream online you know to have an archive you can catch all the messages on youtube or 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 on uh, get the podcast you know on apple Podcasts or spotify you can grab all my all the messages but um sometimes that's not a good thing right because sometimes we push things aside but there's something about us gathering together and being here live and and god moving in that way i'm not saying he can't use archived or you know, messages that I recorded, but I'm just saying there's something about being here together. Plus, the thing is, you know, we don't want studying the Word of God. We don't want to make it like one of the items at one buffet, you know, like, oh, well, hmm, what do I want to do today? Ah, and you kind of, you know how you pick your food at buffet, you kind of, hmm, what am I going to do? God's Word is not a, a, an item at a buffet. Hmm, maybe, uh, 
Maybe uh, uh, I'll go to church, or maybe I'll go to the beach. Hmm, what am I going to pick today? You know, or maybe I'll go Bible study, or 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 maybe I'll watch a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's not supposed to be like that. If God is speaking, if we know God is going to speak to us, wouldn't we want to put all our attention, yeah, upon the Lord? Plus, here's the thing: we don't want to make our lives about me all the time. Yeah, about what's convenient for me or what I want to do. No, we want to do what God is asking us to do and if you can hear the spirit this morning he's calling us to get into god's word to gather together with god's people and study his word together so when peter says hey here's here's me i'm the writer and apostle of jesus christ understand he's saying hey i'm coming to you as this official messenger of jesus And I want to communicate to you the word of God. So Peter is officially sent by Jesus. And he's sharing here. And listen, he's been through much. So because he's been through much with the Lord, he has much to say about it. And that's why this book, we're going to find grace and hope for troubling times. Well, let's go on to the number two in our outline, the addressees, the addressees. We have number one, the author, and now the addressees. Here we're going to take the second part of verse one and the first part of verse two. So if you're taking notes, you could put verse one uh, B to verse two A. Take a look with me here in that section. It says, he goes on, to those who are elect, Exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, or Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood. We'll stop right there. Now, again, in ancient style, as this letter is written, uh, Peter next gives the addresses who who this letter is written to and he says here to those this is who he's writing to who are the elect exiles of the dispersion then he goes on to the areas where they're at now we're going to talk more uh, in a moment on this word elect we're going to talk, talk about that in a moment. But for now, understand what he means. It's, it's the saved believers. He's talking to Christians here. He's writing to Christians in that sense. And then he says, these exiles. Now, the word exiles in the original language means foreigners. Or like refugees, like living in a foreign land. That's the idea of exiles. Uh, they're part of the dispersion. What is that? Well, it's a Jewish term for when the Jews who, Jews who lived outside of Israel, they've been uh, uh, dispersed, basically, or some translations say scattered in that way, scattered out in, abroad outside of the land of Israel. But Peter here, when he says elect, he's talking about saved believers and who are foreigners, exiles in the dispersion that they've been scattered. Believers been scattered uh, out living in a foreign land. And, and when he talks about the dispersion, he's really talking about 
and using the Jewish term of Jewish and Gentiles believer, yeah, who are actually citizens of heaven living in a foreign land on this earth. That, that's the idea. Believers are citizens of heaven and for, are foreigners living on the earth. In other words, he's talking to Christians like, you guys know we're foreigners in this land. Our home is really right in heaven. We're not of this world. We've been saved, so you know what? Our home, our, our country is heaven. But right now, we're here living in this world as foreigners. So these believers are really uh, foreigners in this land. So that, that's the idea when he's talking about this, about believers, these exiles, dispersion, and all that. So these believers have been basically dispersed, scattered in these areas. Now he mentions one, two, three, four, five areas. And all of these areas that he mentions in this ancient letter is in modern-day Turkey. So it's in the area of Turkey, of what we know Turkey today. Pontus is like in the northern area. Galatians, uh, like Galatians in the central area. Cappadocia, um, they drink a lot of nice cappuccino coffees there. No, just joking. They're in the eastern section. Um, Asia is considered the western part, and Bithnia, uh, Bithnia is the northwestern area. So in other words, this letter, Peter goes out writing to believers, and he describes these believers, the elect, being out there in um, the area of what we would call today Asia Minor, or what they called Asia Minor. All right, so let's go back now to this word elect in 1 Peter 1, to those who are elect. Now, I told you these are, are saved uh, believers. They're believers he's referring to, but let's go a little deeper into that. Now, the word elect is a Greek word, electos, which means chosen. So the idea here is believers now have been chosen by God to be the people of God. I mean, think about how God chose, right, the children of Israel, right, to be his people. That's running on the same path or idea. So believers have been chosen by God, basically, to be saved, yeah, and belong to God's ohana, to God's family. So that's that basic thought in this when Peter writes and uses this word, elect. Now we see this thought, this concept, uh, many times in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, that we are chosen by God to be saved. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, is, is one of the classic verses there that talk about this. And let me read this to you. I think it'll be on the screen, but this is the NLT version. And I wanted to read it to you in that version because it, it, it's more everyday language and it kind of helps us like understand it more. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So before the foundations of the world, the old translation, God in his love, he chose us. 
to be holy, to be saved, yeah? to be cleansed by his blood and all. Then verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, God decided in advance, the old world, the, the old other translations predestined us, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So, so I wanted to put in your minds another reference to the same thought, that God has chosen us to be saved, that we are the elect in that manner. And so that's what Peter really is talking about here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Now, to try and understand this a, a little more, I know uh, some of you guys, your minds, well, pro- probably you're starting to ask some questions and it kind of generates some more things in your mind. I want to just take a moment to understand this more. I want to look at what really th- this is talking about is the doctrine of divine election. And also coupled with that, I'm going to throw in and free will. So I want to talk about the doctrine of divine election and free will. Some people talk about man's responsibility in that free will. Our, our, the freedom God has given us to choose, God has given us that. But at the same time, there's this divine election, God's choosing, that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. And there's four things I want to bring to you. Number one is this. The Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved. The Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved. We're, we're discovering it here, right? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, just with the word elect gives us that idea. The, the, the scripture I just read to you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, that talks about it also. But did you know, to add to that, not just what Peter said, what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, Jesus even mentioned it. In John chapter 15, verse 16, the first part, you know what he said? You didn't choose me, I chose you. So we understand that the Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved. It's in there, it's in the scripture. We're, we're on it right now and we see different scriptures of, about that. But make note, I want you to make a note in your mind and write it down. If God, understand that God chose us, it does not mean that God chooses people to go to hell. Understanding that God chooses people to, to save, it does, that does not mean that God chooses people to go to hell. That, that's not what the verses say. The Bible does not say anything about that. It only gives us that God chooses his people to be saved. So don't let your mind go to a place where the Bible does not say. All right? So we just understand the Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved, and that's what we're seeing here. Number two, the Bible also teaches that every person has the free will to choose to be saved or not, all right? That's where it kind of really comes into. The Bible also teaches that every person has the free will to choose to be saved or not. I mean, think, I don't know, maybe you came to to Jesus uh, with someone quoting, 
you know, like Romans uh, 10, 13, yeah? Uh, everyone who calls, yeah, on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Everyone, yeah, anyone who calls upon Jesus. That means it's open. That, that speaks of our free will, our freedom of choice that God has given us. Think about Adam and Eve, yeah? They had the free will, the freedom of choice to choose to eat of the fruit or not. That's what God has given all of us human beings, to sin or not. And so the same comes with salvation. We know very well John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that what? Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What does that say? Whoever in my mind is the old King James, right? Whosoever, anybody, right? Anyone who chooses to believe in Christ and what he did, who he is, dying on the cross, rising again, they can have eternal life. They can be saved. So the Bible also teaches that every person has a free will to choose to be saved or not. So you get the two things, right? You, you, you get that uh, the Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved. But the Bible also teaches, right, that every person has a free will to choose to be saved or not. Let me give you a third thing. Number three, the Bible then shows that God holds both truths to be true at the same time. Now, that, that's, that's a hard one. But that's what we see. I've given you scripture. That's what we see in the Bible. That's what is given to us by the word of God. The Bible then shows that God holds both truths to be true at the same time. So look, God chooses people to be saved, but then God gives every person the free will to accept or reject Jesus. That, that's what we're saying here. It might be hard, but Jesus even said the same thing. Take, take a moment and turn to the left to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And look at verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus is speaking here. And I love this because I think it all comes together here. In verse 37, John 6, he says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Isn't that great? All that the Father gives me will come to me. All that God, the Father, chooses, they're going to be saved. They're going to come to me. They're going to know Jesus. But he adds that, and whoever, right, anybody who comes to me, I'm not going to cast out. I'm going to save them. So you see both going on there that God does choose people to be saved and God gives every person the free will, the opportunity to accept or reject Jesus. You know, I, for me, a, a good way to look at this is, is um, uh, uh, picture it this way, divine election and a person's free, free will. It's really what we would say two sides of a coin. Think about a, a coin, a quarter. I always like to think about, remember, remember the state quarters? 
Yeah, I, I know uh, our family, I mean, when was that? Beginning early 2000s or so, we, we collected all the state quarters that we can. We put it in, I don't know if we still have it, yeah? I don't know. But we put it in this little display thing. But, but, but all the quarters, every quarter had on one side Washington's head, right? On the quarter. When you flip it over, the Hawaii state quarter had Kamehameha, yeah, standing there in the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah. So think about it that way. There's two different men, Kamehameha on one side and Washington's head on the other side, but they're all on the same coin. They're all a quarter. So think of it that way. Picture divine election and a person's free will are just two different sides of the same coin. And maybe that'll help you kind of kind of receive this and, say, and look at this. Okay, oh, they're both true because they're two uh, si- uh, different sides of the same coin. Now, you might be asking, perhaps, how do I know if I'm chosen? How do, I really, how do I really know if I'm chosen? Well, you know what the answer is? Come to Jesus, be saved, and see that you are. That's what it is, right? Give your life, make the choice to receive Jesus, yeah? Be forgiven, come to the cross, and guess what? You're going to see that you are. All right, so we see that the Bible teaches that God has chosen believers to be saved. Number two, the Bible also teaches that every person has the free will to choose to be saved or not. The Bible then shows that God holds both truths to be true at the same time. But let me give you one more thing, number four. Number four is the Bible calls for faith in that God knows way more than us. So if anything, we put our faith in what the Lord has. He, he, he has it all together in his mind, right? He, he knows, and he knows way more than us. I think about Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? I mean, our minds can only contain and understand a finite uh, uh, you know, amount of information and wisdom and knowledge. We, we don't know what God knows but God's wisdom his knowledge is infinite he's God that's why he's God right he knows way more than us so in what we're talking about the Bible calls us for faith in what we see in both sides even though it's hard to put it together that God knows way more than us a lot of people have tried to reconcile this, and they couldn't. So they, they, they go to the extreme. They, they only focus on divine election. That's Calvinism. Or some just, they can't, it's hard to reconcile. So I'm just going to just focus on the free will part. That's Arminianism. And, and we could talk about that forever. And, and, and I, if you have questions, I can you know, answer them later. But God never asks us to reconcile them. Too, but to just believe in it and trust him that he knows. I look at it too this way. It, it, it's better for, for me to see it as like two train tracks going up to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. If you try and put them together, the train gonna derail and crash. You know, <laughs> you try and pull one apart, the train gonna crash. But but both there, you know, it's gonna bring you straight in, into heaven, and you know that both truths 
are there. I like Spurgeon said when you when you go to heaven on the front of the door, it's going to say whosoever will enter in, and then when you go through the door and close the door, on the back of the door is going to say chosen before the foundation of the world. <laughs> I love that, you know. So it's just two parallel tracks going up to heaven. These two truths of God, and we just we're just going to accept it. To be true because it's in the word and we're going to believe God knows more and trust him that he has it all worked out. Alright, so understanding that, well I hope you do, um, hope your brain isn't breaking too much. Uh, if you have more questions you come talk to me. But let's go on here. Now Peter goes on in verse 2, he writes to these elect, the chosen believers in Jesus and he writes to those chosen and first of all in verse 2 he says those chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father now the word foreknowledge means to be considered beforehand that, that that's what it's really saying so think of it this way when Peter says hey you elect you chosen one you know what you were on God's mind way back if I could say it way way back in eternity past you know way before the foundation of the world way before uh, creation was made you were on God's mind that's what he's saying he knew about you now some look at this as that God saw that you were going to accept Jesus in the future so he was on your mind because God knows everything he knows the past present future but just the word elect chosen it's not about God could you know, look down time and see you, uh, uh, you're going to receive Jesus, so he chose you. No, the word chosen really means he chose you. That's it. Yeah. He, just, he just made that choice. And so connected to this foreknowledge, what we see is that God basically loved you before yeah, you were even born. He, he saw you and loved you and chose you before you even lived. And he had a plan to save you because he chose you. I love that thought. And if anything about divine election and free will, understand this, that God chose you because he loves you. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about God telling Israel, you know, I didn't choose you you know, to be my people because you were great or you were, you were more in number than any other nation or people group. I just chose you because I loved you. And it's the same thing. God chose you because of love. So he writes to those chosen according to foreknowledge of God. And then he also writes to those saved. And it says here next, in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. The word sanctification is a big word, but basically it means to be made holy. Yeah? And after we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in our life, and the Holy Spirit is the agent to grow us, to change us, to move us toward godliness more, to make us more like Christ. And then he writes to those who have been uh, made for obedience to Jesus Christ. The next thing that we see here. We know we are new creations in Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. We know that he has given us a new heart. Yeah, we're a new person in Christ. Old things have passed away. And, and, and now 
He is making us and is, has put within us to want to follow God, to want to obey His Word, to want to come to church, to want to pray, to want to seek Him, to want to worship Him. All those things God has put in our heart as, as this new creation. We are this workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Peter's mentioning, yeah, to those, I'm writing to those who, 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 who have been made for obedience to Christ, to obey God's word. And then he, he writes to those who are saved by what? The sprinkling with his blood. Whose blood? Christ's blood. This is, the sprinkling of blood really is a Jewish picture of the day of atonement when they would take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on the altar for atonement for the nation. It was a, a cleansing. It was a forgiveness of sins. And so basically Peter says, you know, I'm writing to you guys, you elect, you chosen, you saved ones who have been sprinkled or cleansed by the blood of Christ when he died on the cross. You've been forgiven. You, your sins have been atoned for. So, Peter comes to the addresses, right? Peter addresses this letter to the believers. And why, why does he say all these things? I mean, he could just say, hey, you Christians over there. Yeah. No, you know why? And this is our point. To encourage the believers, Peter reminds them that their salvation is a work of God. To encourage the believers... Peter reminds them that their salvation is a work of God. I mean, that, overall, that's what we see here. That, that, that's what we find here. You know, I think about Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul wrote here, the free gift. Yeah. It's God's work that he did on the cross. It's God's working in our lives that he saved us, he chose us, he saved us. He, he, he's changing us. I mean, do you truly, truly understand this? Sometimes we, we drift from that. We can say, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, God saved me. Yeah, it's a free gift. It's not of myself. I'm saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I know Pastor Rick said it all the time. Yeah, but I say it all the time because God wants me to say it all the time to get it into your head. Because <laughs> we drift. We drift from that. Yeah? We drift from, oh, no, I didn't do good. I'm not accepted by God. Or God, God doesn't love me because, I, you know, we put ourselves in condemnation when we fail. But we have to be encouraged that salvation from coming to Christ and, and being saved and having eternal life freed from our sins to bring us all the way home to heaven is salvation. And that is a work of God. This is incredible truth we have here. What I went through with you with the doctrine of election and free will, with what we saw in verse 2 just now, all of those components, it's incredible truth for us to, to build a foundation of our Christian life on, you guys. So understand this. Receive this. From eternal, eternity past, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. And when you accepted Jesus, He's now sanctifying you. And when you go home to heaven, He's going to do that work. He's going to complete it. 
We can be assured of that and we can rest in that God is involved in our lives in that way. I was reading about how Billy Graham and his wife Ruth, they were um, driving through this long stretch of road construction after a lot of slowdowns, one-laners, stops, detours, they finally reached a smooth pavement. And there was a sign there on the side of the smooth pavement that said, End construction. Thanks for your patience. Well, with that, Ruth Graham said, Hey, you know what? She told Billy Graham, her husband, that, Oh, that would make a great inscription on a Christian's tombstone. And construction and you know what she was thinking about was philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it so hold on to that fact because see this is peter beginning to write here right to 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 give this encouragement for believers and as we get into it, we're going to be talking about trials we're going to talk about troubles all this that are going on and and so here's Peter right off the bat reminding the, the readers that their salvation is a work of God. So even with that, there's grace and hope for troubling times. So we've seen the author, the addressees, and number three, our last heading is the Apostles' Prayer. The Apostles' Prayer. You can see I did a, a, a alliteration here, but Apostles' Prayer. And this is the last part of verse 2. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, this actually goes along with, with the ancient letter style. After the author who wrote it, after who it's addressed to, uh, common to that era, that time, even, even uh, letters in Rome and Greek or people just writing, not just the word of God, the next thing that would come would be a blessing. And basically, this is the apostle's prayer. This is Peter's wish. This is Peter's regards. This is what, what he hopes and, and he wants to bless the people with. And so he says, first, may grace be multiplied to you. The word multiplied is be increased. Yeah? So he says, may grace yeah, be multiplied to you. What, what is grace, right? We define it as God's unmerited or undeserved favor. God doing things for us. God, God put, giving us favor, even when we don't deserve it. That's grace. When we give each other grace, which we should do because God gives us grace, you know, we, we put aside the differences. We put aside how, how, how we were hurt or, or what was committed against us, and we give grace, right? We, we're kind. We, we give love. Well, that's, that's what Peter's praying about God. May God's grace be multiplied to you and think about who's writing this letter peter yeah remember before he was that apostle he was just a disciple but as a disciple boy and in the gospels we saw everything about him right peter's probably shame about john why'd you write that you know matthew why'd you write that, those stuff we know his failings right we know how he denied Christ at the worst time, you know, on the, the last night of his life. We know how he failed Jesus. We know how, how, how remember, I, I call him foot in the mouth, right? He would just say things like, why, why are you saying that for? He put his foot in, in his mouth so many times. He was impulsive. He would, he would do something before thinking, yeah? 
And we know how aggressive he was and how prideful he was even. Yet, God gave him much grace. So Peter knows, hey, how much you and I need it. How much we as believers need it. And not only that, he wishes his prayers may peace be multiplied to God's peace, the peace of God, the peace that we read about in Philippians 4 that passes all understanding, the peace that comes straight from God, that no matter what storms are whirling around us or what we're going through, that somehow we're okay inside. Somehow we, we, we have peace. That's the peace that Peter is praying that the people would have. And you have to understand, when he says this word peace and the peace of God, Peter, behind this, he knows that these people, the believers at this time, are living in troubling times. He wrote this in, this letter is dated around 64 AD. And it was during that time, Nero, Caesar Nero, just just turned on Christians and began to persecute Christians, began to kill Christians, began to target Christians. We know the stories. Uh, he take Christians, dip them in tar, set them up on poles in his garden, as to- light them on fire as torches to burn there, to light up his garden at night. We know the stories of, of the, the lions being fed to lions as sport, as entertainment. Christians were the ones being killed. And so you can see there's such a need for peace to be multiplied during this time. These were troubling times for them. And that's why as we get into this book, we're going to see a lot about Peter talking about trials and talking about just being under that persecution and who we are in Christ and how God can help you. And so the believers really need to hear this message from God. And so... Peter brings this word, and this is our theme. Usually I give you a theme for our book, our, our, our main thought or purpose, and it's actually our title, Grace and Hope for Troubling Times. The title of our message is the theme for this book. When I first taught, taught this, I, I think I was, it was hope for um, times of trouble or something like that. But, you know, I added grace because... There's more mentions of grace in this book, and I think we need that grace too. So it's grace and hope for troubling times, and that's what we're going to find here in this book. So the last thing we see here, and this is our last point, to strengthen the believers, Peter prays for more of God's grace and God's peace. Pretty simple what we've seen here. I was thinking about how um, someone said, grace carried me here. And by grace, I'll carry on. I love that. I love that. We we can put peace in there. You know, peace carried me here. And by peace, I'll carry on. I mean, for me, uh, it's been rough. It's been rough these past years. The whole pandemic, uh, COVID, you know, issues and you know going on in our society in our community even bef- before that uh, things happening in the church it, it's been rough really rough for me uh it's, it's been hard it's it's our church has changed plenty you know but you know what with the changes um, even losses you know lane's passing 
Um, there's been a lot of heavy attacks too, you know, spiritual attacks by the, from the enemy. But I'll tell you what, I look to God's grace and peace. I'll tell you what, with more trials came more grace to carry on. More peace that helps me hold together, not just bleh, fall apart and give up, you know. It's God who's kept me going, you guys. And, it, it, and I'll tell you, it's, it's been difficult, yeah. And, and I love that there's more grace because, you know, you know how when, when things, when you go through trouble or when and you're suffering or you're hurting, you're not, you're not on your best, yeah. <laughs> and you're a little more in the flesh and you, and you could say things and do things that you shouldn't have done. And, and, you know, you're a little more annoyed and irritated, but, and I failed God. But, you know, where sin abounded, grace abounded more. God's grace daily helped me. And, and I'm so grateful for the Lord with that. And, and, and it, it's, it's hard. Yet grace and peace are there. And, and so I love it when, when Peter's like, hey, I'm praying that grace and peace be multiplied to you. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I need it. I need more. I need more. Please pray, pray. Maybe you're going through hard times too. Maybe it's been tough too, too also in this pandemic. Maybe you're facing much. Yeah? I was talking to someone like, oh, the battles we battle in our minds and all over, you know, the world, our own flesh. And then you have Satan out there, you know, doing his thing. It, it, it's hard. You know, Satan's bearing down on us. But the prayer is, well, may God's grace pick us up when we fall and may God's peace hold our hearts together to help us to keep going. And so, as we come to a close here, here in 1 Peter, God's word, this is, this is what Peter's beginning to unfold to us, that it's God's word, that we have hope in Jesus, that, that it's his word. God, Peter's going to bring us God's word, his principles, his truth, and help us and he's helping the Christians back then who are facing so much persecution. They're facing death. Their, their world is falling apart. Yeah. And so I hope that as we get into this study, that you and I, we can be encouraged. We can be strengthened. And that we will be hungry to come back in every week to learn more, to learn more, to, to be encouraged to be transformed by what God's word is saying. And ultimately, we pray that this book will bring us closer to Jesus. It'll bring us to right to Jesus. I want to close with this. Years ago in um, 1994, a missionary group in uh, uh, Stavropol, Russia, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but this, this town in Russia was amazingly given permission to distribute Bibles that they had found stored in a warehouse since the 1930s. Normally you can't do that. What happened, they came upon this warehouse because back when the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, uh, he had ordered Christian believers to be in prison and all their Bibles confiscated. And it ended up in these this warehouse and had been sitting in this warehouse from the 1930s to 1994. So this missionary organization 
uh, found this warehouse, got permission, and they hired some local Russians to load their truck with these Bibles to go around and give away uh, to, to, to people in their town and, and surrounding areas. Well, the story goes that one young Russian was a young, um, was a, this man was an agnox, agnostic student, and uh, he only came for the work to get to be paid wages. At a certain point, when they're loading the truck, the missionaries noticed that this particular young man had disappeared. They went out to look for him, and eventually they found him weeping, crying in the corner of this warehouse. You see, what happened was he had slipped away to actually steal a, a Bible. I know maybe he wanted to sell it or whatever for himself, but, it, but he wanted to steal, steal the Bible. Well, this particular Bible he grabbed, and when he opened it, he couldn't believe his eyes. Out of the thousands of Bibles that were in that warehouse, he happened to take the one Bible that personally belonged to his grandmother. In her own handwriting, it had her name, you know, and everything at the beginning. And that broke him. And that Bible brought this young man to accept Jesus. This man came to Jesus through that one Bible. So it's here in the pages of this book, in our study in First Peter, that I believe God, like never before, wants to speak to you, wants to bring you to Jesus. And so that's what I believe God wants to do. And what we're going to find, we're going to find in Jesus grace and hope for troubling times. Let's pray. Lord, as we close up here and before we sing, God, we just want to bow to you, Lord, and surrender, God, to you. God, we don't want to make life about ourselves, Lord, but we want to make it about you. We want to hear your call, Lord, that you have a word for us every Sunday, God, that you want to speak to us, help us, that no matter where we're at in our lives, whether it's going great or it's really bad, God, you have a word for us. You, you want to encourage us. You want to strengthen us, God. You want to bring us closer to you in every way, Lord, that we can, God. We, wanna, we want that too. And so, Jesus, I ask, God, for your forgiveness right now, that we would lay aside our distractions, but that we would come to you and learn as we learn today, God, your work inside of us. You're doing this work, God. We can rest assured in that, and we can begin to find peace and your grace every day to keep going on because we know you're here. You're a part of our lives. You're involved in our lives. And so, Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that your compassion for us will never fail, and that your faithfulness, Lord, will, will be there every single day. You are faithful, God. Lord, we need grace. We need your peace. And our hope, God, is in you. So draw us closer to you. Help us, God. Today, this coming week, help us to return next week, God, to continue 
to hear from you in the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.